crowd today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Give me a big amen. Amen. All right, we need to do an attitude check. Here we go. Attitude check. Attitude check. When I say attitude check, you say praise the Lord. Now, you can't do it very well if you're not right with God. So everybody right now, get right with God. Everybody, all right, come on, get right with God. All right, when I say attitude check, you say praise the Lord. All right, ready? Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Oh, there's a bunch of folks out there that need your prayer. Amen. One more time. Attitude check. Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. How many workers, how many folks did we have helping with our big youth and children's extravaganza yesterday? If you were a helper, you were a participant. I want you to raise your hand up. Amen. We are so proud and so pleased with you. Let's give our workers a big hand. Amen. 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 In about ten words, uh, Brother Tyler, what kind of time did we have? A great time. Lots of excitement. Good food. Good, food. Good, prizes. Good prizes. Fun games. Fun games. And, the word. and the Word. And today we've got lots of tired workers. Everybody, come on. Amen. But it's a good kind of tired, isn't it? Amen. And praise the Lord. We don't ever want to stop reaching kids. When you reach kids, you reach a soul. Also, we're reaching the whole family. And so we want to go after them now. And the next extravaganza is on Saturday, January the 20th, 2024. Mark it down. How many of you will pray? Pray that God will bless that day. Pray that we'll have a double turnout of what we had. Pray that we'll have... Now, we're talking about 24 more visitors because we had a lot more people than that, but 24 visitors because I asked them how many fingers, toes, hands and feet they had. And we counted up, and we got the total. These kids are math whizzes. 24. I said, we need at least 24 visitors next time. And I hope we have double, triple that. Wonderful. Absolutely. Now, the kiddos are going to be coming to your doors uh, around Halloween, and you can either lock them out, and you'll be known as the, the Grinch on whatever the name of your street is, and, uh, and nobody will like you, and they'll never listen to you try to share the gospel with them. But if you'll share the gospel at the door with something sweet, that's a great thing. So ushers come first and give everyone one of these. I want you to stop at the bookstore. Dane, you're going to be in there, right? And we're, as long as they last, let's sell those tracks so that people can have tracks at the door. Amen. Tracks at the door for that day that the world recognizes as Halloween. We just look at it as another opportunity to win souls to Jesus. Amen and amen. And worldwide, we want to win souls to Jesus. So this is Missions Month all the way through the end of the month. And we are distributing in just a moment our stewardship forms. Let me explain to you. Faith Promise is based on 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. There's some other verses in there too, but that's what it's based on. They were receiving an offering. They had promised a year in advance what they believe God would have them to give and how God would supply it by faith. That's why it's called faith promise. And then Paul was sending them around to collect it and, and urging them now to make good on their faith promise. It's, it's more than a vow. It's between you and God. It's a promise that you make. You need to pray and ask the Lord how much. Nowhere on this form is there a place for your name. It is to be done anonymously. That means that you say, Lord, how much should I give to this per month, per week? 
and you write it down and you pray over it and then you take that form and cut it in half and put half in the offering place and half in your Bible and uh, we will look at those that are in the offering plates and um, we will determine how many more missionaries we can take on. I believe the whole world needs Jesus. We talked about America. We talked about the youth of America. We've talked about needy places. My ancestors came over uh, from Norway and Norway has a spiritual heritage, but their influence is from the state church. So Bible believers are in the minority there, and they are a wonderful people, and uh, they supply us with uh, a lot of things, uh, like I'm sure sardines and things like that, but uh, mineral oil, different kinds of things that they do, and they are wonderful people, and I am one half Norwegian. I'm all American, but I'm one half Norwegian. And uh, we need to pray that God will raise up missionaries to go to Norway. Um, likewise, Canada needs the gospel. Canada is at a spiritual low. Uh, you know, a lot of folks that tried to serve the Lord during COVID were shut down there very cruelly by the state. And uh, we need to pray for Canada. I retrieved an illustration of a boy in the Philippines who had saved all his money for a very long time, perhaps years, to save up $30 for a good bicycle. Nowadays, it would be several hundred dollars. But he'd saved his money in the Philippines, which is already an impoverished nation. And he heard about the, the need for souls to be saved and missionaries to go to China. This was back uh, during, the uh, actually, the Great Depression. And he got so burdened that, that he went to a banker and uh, spoke to the banker and said, I've heard this missionary challenge for China, and uh, I would like to have you arrange for this money to go there and buy them what they need. And, and, he said, and the banker said, I can't do that. We're going to have to find a missionary and give it to a missionary. But where did you get this money? He said, I was going to buy a bicycle, but I want to give it to missions. And so the banker was so moved by that, he spoke to the other businessmen in town. And word started going around throughout the Philippines. And then it spread beyond the Philippines. Now the people came to that little church that hadn't come in years and gave to that missions offering so that the Chinese people could be reached with the gospel back during the Great Depression. But I'm going to tell you how far that, that word got all the way across the ocean to the United States of America. And it traveled, I don't know by what means, but it traveled to Detroit, Michigan. And a man heard about it and he provided the money for that boy. Now this was not included in the deal. This was extra. Provided for that boy to buy the best bicycle on the planet. And then he gave a huge amount of money to the evangelization of the Chinese. And his name was Henry Ford. And if you're driving a Ford today, you think about that every time. Every time you, you know, every time you put the ignition in, every time you press down on the gas, think about that. Henry Ford heard by word of mouth and gave to missions in China. Now, I have no idea what kind of spirituality he did or did not have. But I know this. He got moved by one boy. That's the message. He got moved by one boy to do that. Amen? Amen. I trust that you will too. And ushers, will you come? Lord, bless these ushers as they come and uh, help them to share these forms, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take it and pray over it yourself and then place it in the offering plate uh, between now and next Sunday night at the very latest. And that will be such a blessing. Amen. 
All right. Thank you. Thank you. The entire Sunday school, Children's Church and Hispanic Ministry will join us in the auditorium at 945 and at 11, both next Sunday morning. We're going to pack this place out. Everybody fill a pew. I have, I have sent over a thousand texts to get people out. What will you do? I have spoken with hundreds and hundreds of people about coming, those that can make it, and I want you to do the same. I've invited all kinds of individuals, people from out of state, and this is a special way to say happy birthday, Central Baptist Church. Let's fill the place up. Now, at the end of the service, we're going to be going to the buffet, and if you want to go to the buffet, you need to let uh, Brother Tyler know. Now, our guests from outside the area, our special guests that come, we'll take care of them. Everybody else, all the rest of us, will pay for our own. That's called Dutch Treat, whether you're Dutch or not. And uh, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's get a good group to go out to eat. We're going to have very special things. We have very special uh, anniversary cake. Oh, my. It's being prepared. Oh, my. It's going to be great. And a very special time. During the 945 service that will be in here, everybody needs to be here. Don't, don't say, well, I don't go to Sunday school. It's going to be a special service that day. It's all going to be run together, and we're going to have a number of people give testimonies, uh, and we will have uh, an open mic. I need you to talk to me. If you want to give a testimony, I'll give you the guidelines and how it's going to go because there's going to be a lot of people testifying to the goodness of God and how He has blessed through this ministry over the years. So we're going to be having that, music, special guests, pictures, taking pictures, pictures up there, uh, special features in the 945 hour. Then we'll take a break at the end of the 945 hour, and the choir that's practicing at 530 today will go back and prepare, and they will march in at 5 till, and at 11 o'clock on the dot, we go on the air, and everybody will be in their place. It'll be packed. I am trusting it'll be absolutely jam-packed. No room for anybody else. Please do your part. I'm going to try to fill two pews. How many are you going to fill? How many are you going to fill? Raise your hand if you're going to try to fill one. Raise your hand if you're going to try to fill a pew. Raise your hand if you're not afraid to try to fill a pew. All right? All right. Did anybody here ever sell anything like uh, to down lines and so forth, like, um, like uh, makeup or uh, like um, uh, Amway or something like that? This is better. This is for eternity. Amen. So let's do it. Fill a pew, fill, fill a row, fill, uh, call people up, invite them. Tell them they're going to miss They're going to miss it. Oh, they're going to miss it in such a way if they don't come. All right, thank you so much for your participation. Thank you for caring enough to make a difference. We also have a special edition of the Acts and Facts, which we're going to pass out next week. We have decals for the 60th uh, uh, anniversary. This one is a research edition, so it's not even a monthly edition. We're going to be passing that out. We're going to have things to give away and a great time to be had in the Lord. And that will be next Sunday. I hope you will not miss it. All right, so come out between now and then. Uh, we're on the air every day. And Wednesday night, we're here at 730. Don't miss Bible study. And then uh, think about Saturday, what you can do to be a part, to go out and, and visit and bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Amen. So help us out. Okay. Fellowship. Read you some scripture. A study of the Bible is a study of the subject 
of fellowship. Study of the, the subject of fellowship. I can prove it to you. Go back to the very first verse of the Bible. And you know the first verse of Genesis chapter 1. It is, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the underlying Hebrew text, the very first word that appears is God. And there are various words in the underlying text throughout the Bible used for God. He has names and titles. And here we have the name that's used, Elohim. Elohim. And Elohim... Speaking of that self-existent one, doesn't, doesn't, didn't have to have a father or mother, didn't need one, had no beginning, has no ending, self-existent, self-sufficient, Elohim. Elohim is in a very special number. In English, we have singular and plural. But in Hebrew, there is singular, there is dual, which means two, and then there is the plural that means three or more. I'm not going to give you any guesses on which number Elohim represents. Three. Three. Elohim. From the very first word of the underlying text of the Bible, we have fellowship. Because in the beginning there was God. And the three persons of the Trinity, the triune God, had fellowship one with another. They had a relationship. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, from the beginning. When God created man, God made him what? In his own what? Image. Why? So he could have fellowship with him. Now God created all the animals and everything else that is. He created man. But he did not, did not create them uniquely to have the same kind of spiritual fellowship that man has with God. We are unique among the creation of God. God created us in His own image for fellowship. For fellowship. Then Adam looked around when he was naming all these creatures that God had created. There's an elephant, Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. And he looked around and he was lonely. And God put him under divine anesthesia, took a rib and formed a woman. And she is the pinnacle of creation. All the ladies said, Amen. 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 You are the pinnacle of creation. You are special. And you are to be treated that way as well. We believe that. But when God created Eve out of Adam, He created Eve for intimate relationship with Adam. And God wants our relationship with Him to be intimate. And God wants our closeness to be intimate. Not in a physical way, but intimate in as close as it can be because that's the way the nature of the relationship is. The Lord appeared to Abram, and He established a relationship, a covenant relationship with him. And he is known, according to the book of James, as a friend of God. Fellowship. Fellowship. 
David is called a man after God's own what? Heart. Fellowship. The prophets were so close to God that the people uh, would hear from God, from the prophets. There was a close relationship. In the New Testament, we have that closeness once again enhanced. Jesus Christ, who is very God, came down and was conceived of the Holy Ghost inside the Virgin Mary without a sin nature so that He was born sinless, the Lamb of God, and He came to identify with mankind and so He came in a flesh and bone body like yours and mine. His blood is God's blood, it's sinless, and, and He had no sin nature, but He is like us. He came, He took upon Himself the form of a man. Why did He do that? You say, well, he came so he could die. Correct. And rise from the dead. That's absolutely it. But he came for fellowship. He wanted that closeness, that identity. The night before Jesus died, he met with his disciples. He established the Lord's Supper, which we're going to observe this year once again. And as they observed the Lord's Supper. He taught them, John chapter 13 through John chapter 16, about a thing that they were missing. One thing they were missing. Listen up. They were missing that divine love for one another. And so he taught them about loving one another. And loving God and loving one another is what we are supposed to be about. This is fellowship. Fellowship. That new relationship was to be enhanced even further throughout the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. We have this endowment of power. We have 3,000 souls saved, baptized, added to the church. And what came with that special fellowship, that special experience between them, can be listed one, two, and three. Put it down. Number one, I want to call passion, but not like unbridled, lustful passion, but like compassion. Passion. This fellowship teaches us to love one another. To love one another. To love as the Lord loved. To love, to love as He loved us and to love our enemies as well. So we have passion. We learned in this close relationship about the bonds of prayer that we have. Pray ye one for another. We're to pray for each other. We're to remember each other and call the names out in prayer. Amen. Fellowship means passion, prayer, but it also means a peace that passeth understanding. Peace that sustains us in our most difficult days. Now let me divide this. I'm going to Take the sword of the Spirit, Hebrews 4, okay, and verse number 12. And I'm going to divide between soul and spirit. Are you ready? On this subject, so many people, even saved people, think for them to have peace, they need the peace that a friend or a relative, a family member can bring. And there is a measure of human peace that we derive in a loving family or in a loving relationship. But that's not 
the peace that's spoken of in Scripture that we have in our relationship. When I come to you and you're in distress, the peace I bring is not the peace of Brad Winnegar, the pastor, the preacher. The peace that I bring is the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the peace. That's it. I don't bring you false hope. I don't bring you false comfort and say, I promise you, things aren't going to get any worse and you're not going to hurt any more than you are. How many of you have ever had somebody lie to you like that? Yeah. Because things might. They might go that way. But there's something that will always be sufficient and that's God's grace. And God's peace comes to us from God's people and like the Holy Spirit, the paraclete Himself who comes alongside us to comfort us, we come alongside people and we edify and encourage and comfort them, not with our peace, but with the peace of Jesus Christ. Preacher, this sounds pretty important. It's not only important, it's vital. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we're observing His death, dip, burial, and resurrection until He comes for us. But we're also... Uh, taking part of the Lord's Supper one with another in this partnership. This thing called the ecclesia, the called out assembly of believers. We are a living thing that we have the life of Christ to empower us. Wonderful fellowship. And we share that power. We share the truth. We share the love. We share the prayers. All of those we share. Now, sometimes we share material resources, but you can go to seed on that. You go to seed on that. If we end up enabling laziness or slothfulness instead of uh, helping people wisely, according to the Word of God, to be their best for the glory of God. We do help out. We do share in. That's why we have the Care and Share dinner coming up on uh, Saturday, November the 18th at 4 o'clock. You want to be here? It's a warm-up for Thanksgiving. And we're going to be here caring and sharing with each other as a picture of what we have together in and through Jesus Christ. Back in the book of Acts, they had something that we haven't got. Oh, they were poor as church mouse. But they, uh, they had a love, a fellowship that began when they came to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And, and that is unbroken until the day of Jesus Christ. So we have it for eternity. We have a family relationship. But those people were in one accord in one place. They were of one heart and one mind and one soul. It was like they were, their heart was beating together, they were working together, and they did this by the grace of God. It was not because they were uh, extraordinarily gifted. We have the same opportunities and potential to walk by faith, to be in one accord, to spend and to be spent for the cause of Christ. That church in Acts, wonderful, wonderful. The churches of the New Testament, wonderful. And yet they were not without their downtimes. It says in the book of Romans, as Paul writes to them, uh, we, we rejoice with them that rejoice and we weep with them that weep. And Paul talks about it 
there in Philippians chapter number 3. Let's turn there, Philippians chapter 3. And he says this, Philippians chapter 3. He says in the very first verse, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Think about that. Back in the first chapter, he said in verse number 29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, yay, but also to suffer for His sake. Wow. Both sides. The good and the bad times alike. They're there. There it is. And the further on we read, the more we understand the truth of how these people walked together and lived together and served together. And yet, they still had that bond of fellowship even in bad times. Verse number 10 of Philippians chapter 3, that I may know Him. This is an intimate knowing of Him. That's fellowship. And the power of His resurrection. That's what we enjoy as a benefit. The power of being raised up from the death of this world and its world system and the things that would drag us down. And the fellowship of His sufferings. Think of that. Now, if you advertised that the local church was going to sponsor a fellowship, people would come expecting, uh, you know, <clears throat> dessert and beverage, right? At least. And some fun times and fun things and some laughs. But if you say, come share the fellowship of His sufferings. This is not to go through a monastic self-punishment uh, like some false religions do. This is to place ourselves every day in the very center of God's perfect will and go the direction He wants us to go with the people He wants us to go for the right reason, for the glory of God. Where do you find yourselves today? You who are here, those of you that are viewing, those that will be viewing later on, are you in the center of God's will? Are you fellowshipping in that intimate way with Jesus Christ? Are you willing to spend and be spent? Are you willing to take whatever suffering may be necessary for the cause of Jesus Christ to be advanced? That's fellowship. That's fellowship. When you get to the point that you've been through the thick and the, well, the thin comes, you understand. The company is the same. The crowd is the same. The circumstances may change. But Jesus and those who are with you and you're with them will not forsake you. I love it. There have been people who through the years have said, Preacher, I'll take a bullet for you. I would hate to think that we would ever come under one of those church attacks. And yes, let, let me just tell you, preparations have been made. But if that should happen, there are people who have said that they get in the way, take a bullet, just like Secret Service, just like bodyguards. And that's, that's wonderful. Now, I would like to say this also. Why are you taking my opportunity to go to heaven? I'm not afraid to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. Dying's not the problem. You know, what, what did Jake Hess when he sang, death ain't no big deal. Isn't that what he's saying? Death ain't no big deal. 
No, dying's not the, the hard part. Here's the hard part. Dying without having lived for any purpose. To just take up space, to just use up resources, what a waste! I'm not for controlling the population. I'm for everybody realizing their place in the will of God. From the moment the Book of Acts church got saved, when they got saved individually, they began to walk that walk, and they were on the right road with the right people for the right reason, going the right direction at the right time. Amen. It was all together the way it was supposed to be. What a wonderful thing. And someday we'll all be gathered together. The supreme concept of fellowship is when we are walking with the Lord and He's honing us and sanding us, sanding the rough spots off. And, and as we continue on, continue on, continue on, continue on, and keep on keeping on and serving the Lord together, He makes us and conforms us to that image to which we've been predestinated. Now listen to me. Where the Apostle Paul uses that, that terminology over in Ephesians. I'm going to preach from there tonight. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and where it speaks of predestination, It says, verse number 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Now don't get confused about the terminology. Predestinated means that it was always God's plan for saved people to end up getting molded and formed so as to be the very impression of Jesus Christ before a lost and dying world. We're going to get raptured one of these moments, one of these days. And when that happens, we're going to be changed in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. And so our old corrupt bodies will be changed. And whatever is wrong is going to be made right. The goal is for us to be so conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and predestinated to that impression of Jesus Christ in this life that when the rapture takes place, there doesn't have to be a major construction project in your case and mine. Hopefully, there's some areas that we're, Tom, we're at least close. He's still working on me, Tom, to make me what I ought to be. And as we fellowship, we help each other. In that respect, a true friend and a believer, a sister, a brother in Christ, will never do anything that will cause you to lose any of that spiritual edge. Listen, uh, we're all uh, skipping church this Sunday and we're going to the XYZ and we'd like you to come along. No true believer who, with whom you have fellowship will invite you to do that. No true believer will do anything that will invite you to not be the person that God wants you to be or represent Jesus Christ as you ought to represent Him. Here's what I'm telling you. 
You've got to have those spiritual antenna up. You've got to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Every day, somebody comes along with something nice or good that the devil would like me to take in place of that which is perfect. Let me say that again. Seven days a week, 24-7. I'm telling you. 365 days and 366 in leap year. The devil comes to me with a platter with something nice or good on it. That he wants me to take the place of that which is perfect that he's already given me. That's the devil's M.O. That's what he's doing today. And so by incremental, I mean itty bitty little movement, little bit itty bitty micro movement, the fellowship of Jesus Christ generally today in the 21st century ain't what it used to be. People, you say, hey, come on over to our house. We're, we're having devotions about 7 o'clock. We're all gathering around with our Bibles, and we'll have some cocoa and cider, and then afterwards we'll sing some songs, um, and um, we'll testify. And, and you're, you're waiting for them to say something that you want to do. But why shouldn't we want that more than all the other things that just came into your mind? No sin to play a decent board game. Better to read your Bible, pray, testify, have good fellowship. Not wrong to have a fun time, a good time, to go places to do things, but not to take the place of what is holy and godly. The highest standard is Jesus Christ. Jesus would not do what some have sold out for. What I'm saying to you today is to encourage and not discourage you. I'm glad that we have the everlasting arms upon which to lean. We find that back in the Pentateuch. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm glad that while we're leaning on those everlasting arms, there are people already who have the same heart, the same mind. And like that first church in the book of Acts, they're going the same direction that we're going. They were motivated by that great love of Christ that constraineth us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 Constrains us. I am in a vice grip, the grip of God's wonderful love, His grace, His goodness, His kindness to me, and I cannot go another way. I was tested early on. Gwendolyn and I sat at a very fancy restaurant, one we could not afford, the guest of, of a regional sales director of a large corporation. We had been serving the Lord in a small Christian school, and our two salaries together made about a half a salary in those days at the going rate. And he offered me a fabulous amount of money, just cash, to take a portion of two states and be the director of those two states in sales in that corporation. And he said, and you will make X percentage off of this amount and off of this amount. And you will be paid per diem this amount for every day you're traveling, all expenses paid. And you'll be provided this and that. And I listened until he finally came up for air. And that's what you got to do, folks. You got to wait till they come up for air. And I said, thank you. You have flattered me. Now, as I was saying this to him, I was looking at his perfectly tailored suit. I was looking at his perfectly tailored cuff that had 
his initial embroidered in it. I was looking at his diamond stick pin. I was looking at all of that. And the devil was whispering in my ear, better not, better not, better hold your tongue. I said, sir, you have honored me by offering me something that you consider to be very great and certainly by your terms most gracious. But, number one, I serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's got a plan that's by far superior to what you're offering. And so I cannot. But thank you very much. He, that man went away one befuddled, perplexed, and hopefully convicted man. And I'm telling you today, Satan will come with a platter full of something. And it'll never look ugly or awful. When, when he's going to take you down the first step of a road of destruction, he's never going to show you the end of the road. He's going to show you all the, the pleasant looking good stuff at the beginning that, that your five senses and uh, your sensibilities are going to uh, have some uh, drawing and attraction to. And you're going to say to yourself, man, this looks so good. This seems so right. This just, I mean, this is what I've always wanted. And I want to tell you this. Your human heart, your emotions may be broken. We're going to divide this thing, all right? We're going to divide this thing very carefully. The peace that God will give you on the spiritual side will by far, over time, overshadow the distress that you feel on the soulish side. But that's what the Word of God does. It divides the soul from the spirit. And you don't ever want to make a decision or a choice now or in the future based on the soul. Only based on the spirit. Many of my heroes are dead. But they're more alive now than I am. They're in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And I want to be there and will be there one day and I'll stand where they're standing now and I want to hear him say, well done good and faithful servant. Things of this world are going to fade and blow away. Just, just, like, just like chaff. Gone. Gone. Thank God for fellowship. Thank God for people going the right direction in close intimate relationship with the Lord and wanting to be in the very center of God's perfect will even if it means suffering. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Yes. Would you come at the invitation and have a word of prayer? Would you come and tell, Yes, Lord, yes. Would you tell Jesus, yes. Tell Him you'll go the direction that He'd have you to go. How many of you today know for sure that if you died right now, you go to heaven. If you don't, will you pray from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip your hand up so I can see it right now? I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you've been saved but not baptized, I want you to come and tell me that you've been saved and you'd like to be baptized. And we'll talk to you about that. That's identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a public testimony. 
If you've been saved and scripturally baptized but not joined this local church and you'd like to join this local church, would you come and say, I'd like to join the church. We'd be glad to talk with you about that. And if today the Spirit of God spoke to you about that highest, supreme, most holy fellowship, would you come and have a word of prayer and say, yes, Lord, I'm yours from the crown of my head. Go ye into all the world. Millions still have never heard that Jesus died to set them free from sin's awful penalty. Go now, we cannot delay. Multitudes will die today So hopeless in the dead of night They wait for the light Go ye, go ye Go ye and tell them God's Son He gave Tell them, ere it be too late, 